Revelation. The book of Revelation. Let me just say real quickly this morning, we want to welcome, uh, Brandon mentioned this in his prayer, but we want to welcome all of those that are watching by way of live stream this morning. I failed to say that, and so we welcome all of our live stream uh, audience in today. I know a number of people are watching by way of live stream today, and some of our good Calvary family are watching today, and so we welcome uh, all those who are watching. And then we wanted to say, um, I wanted to say thank you to all of our ladies uh, who've tried to be such a blessing this week to the Speaks family. Thank you for going by, ladies, and taking meals and just uh, just being so generous. We appreciate that uh, so much, and I think even today some of you are doing some things, and we appreciate that. Uh, continue to pray for Miss Bobby, if you will, that, that the Lord would help her. And uh, word is she's going she's gonna to try to walk without her walker today. And so just pray that God would give her strength. It's good to see Miss Melissa back today, and we're glad that she's, she's doing better. And, and good to see all of you. Some of you have been out for a little while. I saw Miss Letty. Miss Letty, good to see Miss Letty here today. And it's just great to have all of you in the Lord's house. Some of you, a few of you remember Brother Shane. Brother Shane used to work here for us for a little while, and, uh, and I got word this morning that Brother Shane is on a ventilator, and I, I'm so sorry to hear that. And so anyway, if you would pray for Brother Shane Hayes today and put him on your prayer list and ask God that God would uh, touch him and all those that are sick today. Revelation chapter 20, when you find your place, if you'll stand with us this morning out of respect for the reading of God's word, if you're able to stand, Revelation chapter 20. I'm just trying to discern the Lord's will this morning and I want to make sure that I'm on the exact same page with him and uh, I had planned on finishing this message this morning, and I may. Uh, I may, but I may not. And I'm just going to try to follow the Lord's will and, and see what the Lord does. Um, I've asked the Lord to help me to preach this in a spirit of love today. And I want to preach this with a burden. I want to preach it. Uh, this is not something that, that needs to be negative. It's not something that's morbid. Especially if you're here this morning and you're a child of God this is not something that you have to worry about at all. But if you're here today and you're lost, this definitely ought to be of a concern to you. Those who are watching today by way of live stream, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, this ought to be something that ought to be of concern for you. We also know that there's a very real spiritual battle that's going on this morning. And so... Although the devil is not omniscient like God, the devil does know what a preacher is going to preach on. And so, of course, a message like this, the devil doesn't want this message to go forward. And so, in just a few moments, I'm going to be praying, but I'm going to need you to do something. I'm going to need you to pray. And I'm going to need you to ask God to work as well. And so, Revelation chapter 20 and uh, go back and read the whole, just goodness, go back and read the whole chapter later. It's a wonderful chapter. But we'll, just for sake of time today, we'll start in verse number 11 and we'll read the next few verses. Revelation 20 verse 11 says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And notice what our Bible says. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You may be seated this morning. I promise you this, that usually by Sunday night after the service, I'm already seeking God's will about what he would have us to give to the church the, the next week. And this week's been that way. I've been praying and seeking God and asking God to, to, to direct us concerning his will for today. And this seemed to be the direction for this morning. And uh, maybe even tonight. We'll see what happens. I want it to be informative, uh, but I want it to be challenging today. And so I want to take just a few moments and talk to you about the second death. And what you need to know and what I need to know about this very, very important subject. So I'm going to pray and I want you to pray. I need you to pray this morning. I need you to pray that God would just put the green light on. And that God would clear the way for this message to go forward this morning. I believe that we're not here by accident. And I believe I'm not here by accident. And I believe this message is not here by accident. So I believe that God's got something very special that he wants to do this morning. So let's go to the Lord and pray and ask God to help us. We'll jump right into it this morning. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity to be back at Calvary. And Father, we, we know that we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers spiritual darkness, rulers of the darkness of this world. And so, Father, we, we understand that, but at the same time, we also understand that your word tells us that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, Father, we acknowledge you today. You're greater, you're more powerful, you're higher. You're the greatest of the great. You're the best of the best. There is none beside thee. And so, Father, we, we know that you have all power. All power is given unto you in heaven and in earth. And so, Lord, right now, I, I'm asking you to exhibit that power. And, Father, I pray that you would bind the powers of darkness. And I pray that you'd keep them away from this place and away from this people and, yes, even away from this preacher this morning. And I pray that your blessings would, would, would be in this place of worship. But also, I pray that, that, that it would flow through the live stream to many homes, maybe even other countries. Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit now. Lord, hide us behind the cross. And I pray that Jesus Christ would receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. Give liberty. We know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And God, I pray that souls would be saved and lives would be changed and that you'd have your way now. Father, we love you. We praise you. Truly, you're, you're awesome. You're wonderful. And I pray that you would be glorified today. We thank you, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. amen. And how many know that although we know 
that death is coming. People often spend their entire life dreading and trying to avoid it. Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. All of us have an appointment. Your appointment may be during COVID, but it's very possible that it's not. But I know this, God has an appointed time for you. And we don't want to live dangerously and we don't want to live recklessly. But at the same time, Calvary, we can't live in fear. Because there's appointed time. Your appointed time is not the same appointed time that I have. But you have an appointed time. And you'll not be late. You'll not be one second late for that appointed time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. I read a very interesting story this week. His name was William Randolph Hearst. He was one of the wealthiest and one of the most powerful men of the 20th century. At the height of his media career, he was worth, and back in this day, in the 1800s and the early 1900s, he was worth over $500 million, which back in that day was a lot. It'd be a lot in this day, but it was extremely, extremely wealthy. He would be considered, in our day and time, he would be considered very easily a billionaire, a multi-billionaire. My wife and I had the opportunity back in July as we went out to visit with the children just a little bit and we uh, drove up the Pacific, uh, the Pacific Highway and we came to a place called San Simeon, California. It's a beautiful place right on the Pacific Ocean and as you look up on the mountain, there is a castle and it literally is a castle that is on the side of the mountain there and it's called Hearst Castle. And William Randolph Hearst built this castle there on the Pacific Highway. <clears throat> it's an enormous, enormous castle at more than 90,000 square feet. It took him 28 years to build. 115 rooms, 38 bedrooms, 40 bathrooms. It is a sight to behold. It really is. It is, it is absolutely an amazing thing. The state of California has now purchased it, and it's a, it is a uh, state park, if you will, there in the state of California. It is one of the largest homes uh, anywhere in America. And back in this day and time, if you, were, <laughs> if you were the Hollywood elite and you were invited to come to Hearst Castle, you knew that you had really made it. Because only the elite... Only the top of the top were invited to go and visit William Randolph Hearst at Hearst Castle. Interesting story. And it goes like this, that when guests arrived at Hearst Castle, they were warned that there was one strict rule. And if this rule was broken, they would be immediately escorted off the property and never invited to return. The rule was that any of the guests at Hearst Castle were never to utter the word death. William Hearst was one of the richest men in America, but William Hearst had a problem. 
He was terrified of death. He was scared to death to die, if that makes any sense. It consumed him. He didn't want to think about it. He wouldn't allow anybody to mention it. In fact, he was, he was so, what's the word here? He was so consumed with death that the story goes that one time as he had left off for a few days, one of the palm trees in this beautiful, beautiful complex had died and his, his uh, groundskeepers knew that although they could not replace the palm by the time he got back, they knew they were going to have to do something to disguise it to make it look like it had, hadn't died because he was that afraid of death. And so these groundskeepers climbed the palm and they painted the dead leaves green so he would not be reminded of death. But as much as William Hurst did his best to avoid it, on August the 14th, 1951, death came knocking. And although he tried his best to get around it, he tried not to be reminded of it, my dear friend. William Randolph Hearst had an appointment with death just like all of us do. And sure enough, when death came, death showed no respect of persons. Some people are so fearful of death. I mean, really, it, they're fearful. Oftentimes, as a pastor of 30 years, I've met people who, uh, as we began to talk about planning their funeral, they were like, oh, no, no way, preacher, no way. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, you know, would you like to go ahead and plan? And by the way, thank God for these, uh, these folks that, that go ahead and, and plan their I think it's a great idea, by the way. I mean, the kids don't have to worry about it. I mean, they, they know which songs are going to be sang. They know which funeral home is going to be handling the procedure. They, uh, and uh, and, and a, lot of, a lot of folks, they already have it planned out. But there are others who say, I don't want to think about the songs that are going to be sung. I, I don't want to think about the people that are going to be attending. I don't want to even talk about the, the funeral home that's going, going to be hand, handling the arrangements. I know some folk that go so far, they're so afraid of death that they won't even visit the funeral home for visitation of a family. A family has lost a loved one and they're just there receiving friends. And there are some people that are so fearful of death but they, that they won't even go to the funeral home to shake a hand and to show some compassion. There are some that so avoid this death that they will not purchase a life insurance policy. And sometimes and oftentimes they leave their family without any protection in the event that they're taken out. Others refuse to walk into a cemetery for fear of death. And can I just say today, Calvary, that you don't have to worry about those in the cemetery. It's the ones outside of the cemetery that you've got to worry about. But they won't even walk into a cemetery because it reminds them of death. They see the tombstones and they see the grave markers and it, it, is a, it is a reminder that death is going to come. Many don't want to talk about it. Some don't want to think about it. Uh, others don't want to be reminded of it in any way. And some would say they definitely don't want to hear a message preached on the subject of death. The truth of the matter is people fear the unknown. But I said all of that to say this. As bad as that is, can you imagine having to suffer death twice? Some people so avoid it. Some people so exclude it out of their minds. But here's what's really sad. 
what they don't understand is they'll, they'll suffer physical death. But according to the word of God, there will also come a second death. For those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior, they will experience death not only once, but according to the Bible, a second time. Notice what our Bible says in Revelation chapter 20. We didn't read this verse this morning, but we'll read it now. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 6. The Bible says, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Look at verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Look at Revelation chapter 21. And verse number eight, the Bible says, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now I want to talk to you a little bit today, if I could, about the second death, the second death. Maybe a subject we don't talk about a whole lot. We, we read of it just a little and we've heard it talked about some, but, but maybe a subject that we've really not ever taken the time to, to really uh, camp out on and, and to really think about it. So I want to take this subject of the second death this morning. And if I could, I want to try to unpackage it a little bit and I hope that it'll make sense and I hope that it will be a blessing. Several things that you and I need to know about the second death. Number one, I noticed this, that the second death will be a judgment of works. It'll be a judgment of works. Now look, if you will, please, at Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 12 this morning. Revelation 20, verse 12, the Bible says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the, the book of light. By the way, not necessarily the Lamb's book of light, but the book of light. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, notice this, according to their works. And, uh, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Now, you say, Pastor, is that important? I believe it's very important. I believe it's important that we understand what's going on. At this judgment, the great white throne, this second death, I want you to understand that the deeds of the lost here at this judgment will be judged. In fact, twice the Bible mentions that. These people that are at the great white throne judgment uh, that are subject to the second death, these people chose to reject the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, they chose to pay for their sins by using their own works. By the way, there's only, listen, there's one or two ways that your sins will be paid for. They'll be paid for by Jesus or they'll be paid for by yourself. But one way or another, your sins, my dear friend, and my sins are going to be paid for. But the deeds they have done, the works they, that they have worked won't be enough at the judgment seat of Christ to resolve the payment for their sins. The scales won't be balanced. These that stand before a holy God and try to, uh, you know, try to argue the fact that they've done this and they've done that and they've done these good deeds and they've done these great works and all these things, I want us to understand that the scales will not be balanced because Scripture is careful to point out that our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Isaiah chapter number 64 and verse number 6 says it like this. 
but we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. My dear friend, I love you this morning. And I believe that I pastor some of the greatest people in the world. But I want you to understand something. That your righteousness will never redeem you. Your righteousness will never take you to heaven. Your righteousness will never pay for your sin. By the way, neither will mine. Our righteousness is as a filthy rag. And can I remind us of this? When Isaiah wrote that, he was talking about those rags that those lepers used to cover up those putrid sores with. And after they became so, so defiled, they would take those rags off and discard them. And, uh, and when you would see those leper rags filled with that defilement and that infection laying by the side. That's the picture there that Isaiah is giving, that our righteousness is like those old filthy leper rags. They're not going to pay for your sin. Listen, those who one of these days stand before the great white throne and try to justify themselves, please understand that your works will not foot the bill. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, was telling the story about his little grandson. It's been many, many years ago, of course. And his little grandson had come to their house to visit. And he went outside to pick his grandma some flowers. He picked those flowers, and you know how little kids are sometimes. They'll break the stem, they'll handle them roughly, and some of the petals will fall off. And Dr. McGee said that his grandson came running in and said, Grandma, 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 I got you something. And he said he, that little boy passed that bouquet of flowers to his grandmother. And Dr. McGee said, to be quite honest with you, that bouquet looked pretty pitiful. I mean, the stems were broken. They were tattered. They were sort of wilted. And he said that little boy, that little grandson was so excited about giving those broken, sad-looking flowers. He was so excited about giving those flowers to his grandmother. His grandmother patted him on the head and said, thank you, thank you so much for bringing those to me. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of people who think that's what the great white throne's gonna be like. That they're gonna come before a holy and a righteous God. And they're gonna present their bouquet of works and they're gonna present their bouquet of deeds before a holy God. But what they don't understand is those works are not going to justify their sin. And by, by the way, let me say this as well, that the, that the great white throne judgment, God won't pat you on the head and say, God bless you. Thank you for going to church every once in a while. And thank you for reading your Bible occasionally. And thank you for being such a, such a great, great Christian. I'm just telling us today that these works won't suffice for the price of our sin. In fact, Calvary, this payment method won't be accepted at all. They'll be judged according to their deeds, but it won't be accepted. Have you ever went somewhere, uh, you, you traded at a store, or ate at a restaurant somewhere, and, and uh, you, you, you got ready to check out, and you, you, you pulled your wallet out, and you got your check card out, and they said, oh, we don't accept that form of payment here. We don't take a card here. Or maybe you went somewhere and you were going to pay with cash. And you pulled cash out of your wallet and you got ready to count it out. And they said, oh, we don't take cash. We only take a credit card. That form of payment is not accepted here at this establishment. Oh, please understand something. 
And those who are watching today by way of live stream, that one of these days when you stand before God and you try to pray for your sin on your own, you try to make the payment yourself, I'm telling you that that form of payment will not be accepted at the great white throne judgment. Will you say, preacher, what's this about? Listen to me, my dear friend. When death comes, there will be only one form of payment accepted and it will be the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged without blood and without shedding of blood is no remission. The songwriter said it like this, Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the lamb and I will pass will pass over you. Judgment is coming. All will be there. Each one receiving justly is due. Hide in the saving, cleansing blood and I will pass. We'll pass over you. You say, preacher, what will pay for my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not at all that'll pay for your sins. Not that you're a pastor, preacher, not that your grandpa's an evangelist, not that you're a Sunday school teacher, not that you're a deacon, not that you sang in the choir, not that you gave a tithe to the church. I'm telling you, our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. There is but one thing that will pay for the redemption of this lost world, and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. May I remind us in Exodus chapter 12, when God sent the death angel through the land of Egypt, it was necessary that the Israelites take a lamb. And they were to kill that lamb and to shed its blood. They were to take that hyssop and they were to dip that hyssop into the bowl. And then they were to strike that blood upon the doorpost of the house. By the way, the, the symbol, if you will, of a cross when the death angel came through, if the blood had been applied, the death angel would pass over. The blood was absolutely necessary. But Calvary Baptist Church, please understand that the blood is still absolutely necessary. Ephesians chapter two, verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Colossians chapter one, verse number, verse number 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Revelation chapter 12, verse number 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. There is one thing. Thing that will pay for your sins and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. The second death will be a judgment of works. Hey, quickly, can I say this? The second death will be an event when things grow worse. Now hear me out this morning. The second death will be an event when things grow worse. Those who are lost are kept in a place called hell. Hades. It's known as the abode of the wicked until this judgment takes place. Hades originally consisted of two places. There was paradise. There was where the unrighteous are. The Bible says that when Lazarus died, he went to Abraham's bosom, paradise. 
That's where the righteous dead. That's where the, those that died righteously, that's where they went. They were, they were put there. And someone says, preacher, why did those who are righteous in faith, why did they not go to heaven? Because no man goes to heaven apart from the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ had not been spilt yet. And so here are these righteous saints in paradise and there's a great gulf fix and over here are those who rejected God and rejected the prophets. They've rejected his word. But the Bible tells us that when Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and shed his blood, he applied that blood to the mercy seat. The Bible says that Jesus took a trip to that place and the Bible says that he set the captive free and gave gifts unto men. And now those saints that were in paradise aren't there anymore. They're in heaven now. But those that rejected God are still in that place called hell. The rich man of Luke 16 has been there all these years. He mentioned it as a place of torments. It's a place of lack. Just send one drop of water. I don't want a glass, I don't want a gallon, just a drop. It's a place of lack. It's a place of regret. It's a place of remorse. By the way, it's a place of remembrance. He remembered his brothers. He remembered their lost condition. He remembered where the house was. He said, Abraham, would you send Lazarus back and tell my brothers so they don't have to end up being in this place? It was a place of separation, but this is what I'm trying to say. But the second time, uh, the, the second death, according to Scripture, will be a time when death and hell, as bad as they are, will be cast into the lake of fire. Amen. Revelation 20, verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Jesus referred to this as outer darkness. Outer darkness. I most believe it, it, it to be this, that this is believed to be eternal separation from God. Friend, listen to me this morning. I know, I know this isn't a super popular message to preach on a Sunday morning. But it's a message that ought to be preached on a Sunday morning. Uh, uh, listen, I'm just, I'm just uh, telling us today that the worst thing about hell will not be fire. The worst thing about hell will not be darkness. The worst thing about hell will not be devils and demons and, and pain and agony and suffering. The worst thing about hell will be that eternal separation from a holy, loving, merciful, gracious God. All I'm saying this morning is this, man, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you ought to run to this altar before the day is done. The second death will be a judgment of works. The second death will be a, an event when things will grow worse. How about this? Number three. The second death will be a time when people will wish. What do you mean, Pastor? They will wish they had made other choices. I believe this. I believe that this judgment will take place in heaven. I know this, that immediately after we read the scripture that we read this morning, immediately after that, in Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2, John begins to talk about a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe this. I believe that these at the great white throne judgment, I believe that they will get a glimpse of heaven. They'll get a glimpse of the splendor. 
They'll get a glimpse of how great it is just enough that they will wish. I wish I'd have made different choices. I wish that I would have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Moses, because of his disobedience, peered over into Canaan's fair land, but God did not allow him to go. And I believe with all my heart that one of these days at the great white throne judgment that the lost will peer over into heaven, but they'll never have the opportunity to go. When our kids were growing up, every once in a while we would go on a vacation down to Florida and we didn't always have enough money to, to take them to Disney. And so we would do this. <laughs> we would go to the boardwalk and we'd walk clean down to the entrance. And, and, and we would at least be able to look in. We could see some of the fireworks. We could see the families in there having a good time. We could see the balloons and, and all those things. And wait a minute now, we were right outside. Never actually got to go in. And I believe when the second death comes, that that's how it will be. That there'll be people that'll be right there on the outskirts of glory. They'll possibly see the Crystal River. They'll possi possibly see the streets of gold. They'll possibly see the mansions. They'll possibly see the tree of life. They'll possibly see all those things, but never have the opportunity to go in. Don't even begin to tell me that you're not going to come to that place and you're not going to wish to God I would have got saved. Man, I wish I would have responded to that invitation. I wish I would have listened to that preacher. I wish that I got saved. I, I wish I'd have read that gospel track. I, I wish, I wish, I wish. And people talking about, well, preacher, I don't want any part of this salvation jazz. I'm going to party hard and live it up. You go ahead and you live it up, my dear friend, but you hear me and hear me well. There is coming a day. There is coming a day of reckoning where you will have wished that you had accepted Christ as Savior. The second death will be a judgment of works. It'll be an event when things grow worse. It'll be a time when people will wish. But this, let's end this thing on some good news. Number next is this, the second death can still be waived. Did you know it is still possible for everyone under the sound of my voice you cannot necessarily avoid the first one, but you can avoid the second one. Now, personally, I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. And if the rapture comes, <laughs> I may not have, even have to visit Nicholson's funeral home. Amen. But I can guarantee, I don't know about that. I have no idea, but I can guarantee you this, good neighbor. You won't see me at the second one. Because I'm glad that many years ago, for me, it was waived. It was waived. Have you ever been going down the interstate or going down the road and all of a sudden, the blue light special was in your rearview mirror? <laughs> you thought, oh man, what did I do? Or honey, what did you do? You know, <laughs> you pulled over and state trooper got out of his cruiser he puts that smoke in the rear hat on, you know, way down here. He walks up to your window and he says, sir, can I have your license and your registration? And you get him your license and registration, which, by the way, is what you're supposed to do. I thought I'd just put that little commercial in there. And you give him your license and registration and 
And he says to you, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have a headlight burnout. Or he says to you, your license plate has expired. And you say, officer, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize it. And then he says, well, sir, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to have to give you the ticket. But he says, if you'll go, get it fixed. He says, you can take it to the magistrate. And he said, he'll waive it for you. If you'll just get it fixed, just get it fixed. Hey, just get it fixed and take it to the magistrate. He'll throw it out. Yes, yes, yes. He'll throw it out. Hey, I've got some great news this morning. If you'll just get it fixed, get it fixed, get it fixed. Hey, go to the blood, go to the blood and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I got some great news. He'll throw it out. Amen. And he'll waive your penalty forever. Man. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know who I'm preaching to necessarily. I don't know who I'm preaching to on the internet. And so just as sure as I'm here, there's somebody who says, well, preacher, thanks, but no thanks. I'll just take my chances. And I believe that one of these days when I stand at the great white throne, I believe that God will look at my works and I believe that he'll weigh things out and and I believe that God will pat me on the head and say, God bless you. Come on in. There was a judge that was very busy in a court of law and he had been a busy, busy docket and he needed a break. And so during his lunch hour, he decided to take a walk. There was a beautiful park somewhat close by and And so he took his robes off and he he told his folks, he said, I'll be back after a while. He began to walk through this beautiful park and the birds were singing. There was a little bit of a breeze. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. And as he made his way across a bridge over the lake there in the park, he heard the screams of a young man. He began to look, began to scan the lake. He could hear the water being beaten and he began to look and there was a young man somehow had gone out into the deep water and And he was thrashing in the water. He was literally about to drown. The judge jumped in and began to swim out to the the young man. And he put his arm around him and he he swam and got him back back to the shore. Saved his life. Fast forward many, many years. The judge is in a court of law. And that day it was his unpleasant task to sentence the young man in that court, to death. And so he asked the young man that day, he said, sir, would you stand? And then he said, at the judgment of your peers, he said, you've been sentenced by the law of the state, you've been sentenced to death. The guards came out to get him and to shackle him and to take him back to the jail. And he began to scream and he said, wait a minute. Wait. He said, judge, he said, Don't you recognize me? Don't you recognize me? And the judge said, young man, I'm sorry, I don't. He said, judge, he said, I'm the one. 
He said, I was drowning that day. He said, you were coming through the park. You jumped in. He said, you swam out. And he said, you, you brought me to the shore. You saved my life. He said, don't you? Don't you remember? And the judge said, yes. He said, I do remember that. I do. And that young man said, judge, how can you save me on that day and sentence me to death on this day? And that judge said, young man, on that day, I was your savior. On this day, I am your judge. And friends and neighbors, I want us to understand something. That one of these days, when we get to this place right here, he'll not be acting as Savior. He'll be acting as judge, jury. He'll call the shots. And your righteousnesses won't pay the penalty for your sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again, that you're saved, that you're on your way to heaven, I'm going to tell you what I would do. Man, I wouldn't wait. I would, listen, our pianist is going to play in just a minute, I think, but I wouldn't wait till the piano starts playing. If I was here today and I was lost without Christ, I'd run. I wouldn't care what anybody thought. I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care what somebody beside me or behind me thinks. I'd run to this altar. I'd dive into this altar like I was diving into home plate. And I'd say, oh God, I don't want to go to hell. Oh God, I may have to suffer that first death, but I won't suffer that second death. And the only way you'll miss it is by giving your heart life to Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for this time we've had together today. God, I pray right now that you would do the supernatural. Lord, I cannot save. All I can do is point to the one who does the saving. But I read it this week in Isaiah 59.1. The Lord, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. And Lord, if there may be one here today that has never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that today will be the day. God, maybe some loved ones ought to come and gather around an old-fashioned altar and right now pour that name out to the Lord. Somebody they love, a mom, a dad, a son or a daughter, a co-worker that they're very close to. God, this morning they just find their way down to an old-fashioned altar and say, oh God, would you save them? God, would you give me the opportunity to lead them to Jesus Christ? Father, save those that are watching by way of live stream today. God, help them to understand that Jesus loved them so much that he came, gave his only life, bled, suffered, died, was buried. But thank God, three days later, God raised him from the dead. And he wants to be their savior today. Father, work in hearts, please. Bring the increase, I pray. And we sure thank you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let's all stand this morning. Folks are coming to the altar as we speak. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would make it to heaven. I want to go. Preacher, I want to be there, but I'm just not sure. 
And I wonder how many would be honest enough right now, you'd just slip your hand up and you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure about heaven. Pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you right now. I'll not pray for you by name. I just want to pray for you. God will know who you are. Right now, you slip your hand up. Come on, be bold. Slip your hand up right now. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you remember me in your prayers right now? You'd raise your hand. Raise it real high so I don't miss you this morning. Who's like that today? Preacher, that's me. If I died, I'm not sure about heaven. Can I pray for you? Right now, you slip your hand up. If you're watching by way of live stream right now, and you don't know Christ as Savior, oh, listen, good, good friend, right now, would you find a place and get along with Jesus and just say something like this to Him out of a heart of faith, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm a sinner that needs a Savior. I want you to forgive me for my sins. And Lord, right now, I invite you into my heart and life. I want you to save me. I want you to take me to heaven when I die. So right now, Lord, I'm opening my heart to you. Save me this very instant. Friend, if you'll pray that prayer today out of a heart of faith, Jesus will hear your prayer and he'll save your soul today. We're going to pause just for a few moments. The pastor's going to make his way. Many folks still on the altar.